We're going to start the session today with a conversation with Ken Elephant, Managing Director at Sorensen Capital. Ken, welcome to the show. Great to be here, Sharama. So tell us about Sorensen Capital. What is the focus of the firm? How big is the fund? What kind of, what size investments do you make? Let's get to know the footprint of Sorensen Capital. Great. Well, as you probably know, um, Sorensen Capital was founded in 2002. We have a little bit over a billion dollars under management. And we do both early stage and growth equity investments. So at Sorensen Ventures, where I'm a managing director, we do all of the early stage investments. And we're focused on software and security investments. Uh, so we do mostly Series A, some seed investments, and some um, early B rounds. Um, Sorensen Capital is a private equity fund which does um, lower mid-market uh, private equity deals, buyout deals, mm -hmm. and they also do growth equity, so later stage deals. Um, at and how, what is the size of the early stage commitment? So typically when we invest at Sorensen Ventures, we're investing initially $2 million to $5 million in startup companies. Mm -hmm. We've done a couple of investments that are smaller than that and a couple of investments that are larger than that. Um, and at Sorensen um, Capital, on the growth equity side, they typically write um, $20 million to $40 million checks. So let's, for this, the rest of this conversation, let's keep our uh, focus on the early stage activity of uh, your fund, uh, because that's really where we play and that's where our community is. So um, uh, the other question I have on the early stage uh, activity of your fund, what is the size of the fund that is committed to early stage activity? 50 million, 100 million, what is, what is committed for early stage? Yeah, so um, we're in the process of deploying $100 million in this fund. Okay, perfect. So you said software and security. Can you double-click on that for us and tell us a bit more about, um, you know, industry sectors or what kind of, uh, you know, what's specifically within software, assuming it sounds like you do B2B only, not B2C, yes? Correct. We don't do any... Um, consumer investments, we only do yeah. enterprise investments. And so um, what's, what we're seeing in the enterprise space is that there's been a move, movement over the last uh, 15 years going from client server to um, internet-enabled enterprises, and now enterprises yep. are going cloud-native. So you've probably right. heard of Docker and uh, Kubernetes, and so this movement to cloud is a real is a real movement that enterprises um, uh, are are undertaking right now, and with that, what that means is that um, the entire software stack is changing. So that means if you're using virtualized servers from VMware, you're probably thinking now, um, what am I going to do with my stack as it moves to cloud? And obviously, VMware has a play there, as does Cisco and so on. But this is a real opportunity for um, startups as well, and in the software space. There's opportunities around orchestration. There's opportunities around systems management, DevOps, um, as well as <laughs> analytics and, and, um, and storage and so on. So that entire software stack is changing. And that also relates to um, security. 
because if you're moving a lot of your workloads to containers and leveraging uh, microservices, microservices is, is a new attack vector um, for uh, the bad guys that are out there. And so um, as such, we're looking at any companies that are related to this movement to cloud, whether it's software or security. Okay. And um, is it only enterprise or are you doing mid-market facing B2B uh, startups as well? Uh, we, in my past, we have done um, several mid-market startups. So, for example, I'm an investor in Alien Vault, which, as you probably know, um, has a complete package. It started with security and information event management, but now it has um, IPS functionality, asset management functionality, all built into one for mm -hmm. small and mid-sized enterprises as well. Um, and they sell through um, managed security service providers which are also targeting the mid-sized enterprise. Okay. And what about geography? Geography, we're focused on the United States. Um, since we are doing so much in security, we, we do spend a lot of time in Israel as well. Um, mm -hmm. But there's no issue with doing investments around the world. Um, in the past, I have done investments um, in India, in China, um, in Japan, in Western Europe, in Eastern Europe, and so on. So there's no problem with that. I've been involved with, uh, with companies around the okay. world. I would say that we do have a proclivity of investing in the United States um, and in Israel. And Sorensen, okay. um, Cap, well, I'm, I'm based in um, Palo Alto, um, and Sorensen Ventures is based in Palo Alto. Sorensen Capital is based in Salt Lake City and in the mountain states. And so they have uh, really good networks and deal flow from Utah, New Mexico, Arizona, and the entire mountain region. Okay. Now, um, talk a little bit about your current portfolio. What have you invested in? How do you decide what to invest in? As you are talking about your portfolio, point out how you analyze those deals and, um, you know, just kind of give us a flavor of how you, how you analyze the ones that you have invested in. Sure. So for um, Sorensen Ventures, uh, we've invested in um, two companies so far. We're about to do our third. Um, they're all stealth, so I can't talk about them specifically. But what I can say is what, what we look for, and I can give you some parameters of, of these, these opportunities. Um, so our first um, two deals, I think that the first thing that we look for is entrepreneurs that have phenomenal d domain experience for the problem that they're trying to solve. So if mm -hmm. you're trying to do um, security around microservices, you should have a, a security background like out of uh, a Palo Alto Networks or Checkpoint or, or some other um, enterprise security company in the past because you would understand where there's gaps in the current market opportunity. Um, so domain experience is critically important, um, and we see that in, in all of our startups. And the other thing associated with the team is it's always better if you have a team that knows how to um, recruit people and has had um, success in the past. So in our first investment, um, this is the founder's um, third startup together. They, they sold their last startup for about um, 400 million. Um, and they're very, very good in terms of cloud and cloud data. And the, and the opportunity that they're, that they're going after completely leverages um, their past. So that's a good example of, of team dynamics. Um, the deal that we are going to close in the next um, 30 days or so 
is a, a first-time entrepreneur who has phenomenal domain experience in terms of um, uh, uh, kind of security penetration from the outside of the enterprise. This is exactly what, what he's done in the past, and I'm very confident that we can help him build a team around him. So that's what we look for. Number one is team. Um, number two is what is the market opportunity? We like to go after opportunities in small but rapidly growing markets. Uh, because by definition, if you're going after a large market, there's already large competitors in the market. So the, the startups need to find a market that, that they think that they are going to be the, the category leader in and that this market is going to be a large market over several mm -hmm. years. And then the third thing that we look for is what is the differentiation of the company? Um, sometimes it's technical differentiation. Sometimes it is channel or marketing differentiation, but it's really important for startups to have a long-term differentiation that they can move forward with. Okay. So one of the things that you said, which I found uh, somewhat distinct actually, is that you're looking for smaller markets and not these mega, you know, markets that most VCs tend to go for. So one of my observations is that we're in 2017 and lots of stuff have already been built. And nowadays, there aren't so many wide open opportunities out there, but there are many, many niche opportunities. Some of the businesses, some of these businesses need to be built for small amounts of capital, you know, one to two million dollars and sold for 10 to 15 million. Some maybe even smaller, 250 to 500K and sell for five to 10 million. I imagine you're not interested in these types of investments, but what is your definition of small when you're looking for TAM, for instance? Uh, the, the most common answer we hear from VCs is we're looking for billion-dollar TAMs, but I sense that you have a different approach. So what is, how do you um, peg TAM in this kind of shifting environment? Well, I'll give you a few examples from, from the past. So. For example, I was an investor in Prolexic, which did um, security from the cloud. Now, certainly um, distributed denial of service attacks uh, were already happening, um, and there were some kind of early uh, potential solutions with that, and some firewalls had reasonable solutions. But when mm -hmm. I uh, invested in Prolexic, it was clear to me that the security needed to be done from the cloud. So there is a, an existing market problem, the approach of the startup was completely different. So they created this new market associated with doing security from the cloud with distributed denial of service being the first um, wedge into the market. And they could add on to their platform other um, security opportunities. So that's, that's an example. There's an existing market out there, but their twist into the market is nobody could do it from the cloud like Prolexic could. But how do you how do you parlay the time equation on that? How do I size the market on that? Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the way that you size the market is if you know that the global 10,000 all have a uh, distributed denial of service problem, you can understand from the bottoms up how much each one of these enterprises would pay if there was an, apl an applicable solution that was out there. And if you believe that the company is going to be developing the right solution for that market, then they should get a lot of market share 
for that potential problem. So, uh, so in that case, you're you're looking basically at your solution being a replacement for the entire global 10,000. So it's effectively the same market size as any other security solution. It's just a matter of time. Yeah, if you look at it from an enterprise 2,000 or 10,000 approach, um, they may have part of the problem solved with an existing product. But if that part of the market is becoming um, more and more evident, then those existing solutions are going to become worse and worse, and a new approach needs to take effect. And so yeah. if a new, a new approach needs to take effect, then, if, then essentially you're creating a whole new market. And if a whole yeah. new market that's not, gets that's created... A regular, that's a regular venture-style investment, I would say. That's not, that doesn't really fall in this niche, uh, you know, smaller TAM um, model. That, that's a regular venture-style investment, I think. Yeah, I think that I look at it um, a bit differently than other venture investors because what we want to do is we want to highlight what are the trends that are happening where whole new companies could be created that the incumbents cannot move to address that opportunity. So we talked about the, the movement to cloud and how many of the, the global 10,000 enterprises are actually starting to put Docker into production and using um, Kubernetes for orchestration and actually implementing microservers, uh, microservices and serverless architecture. So that movement is happening. Is there a security company that's really associated with that movement to cloud? There are some startups that are focused on container security, but nothing that's really focused on directly solving that problem. So that's an example yeah. of an area where I think there's a, there's a whole new market that's emerging and there's no security vendor that's using it. But you could say, hey, that's just, um, you know, apps for enterprises, that's app security. Well, it is and it, and it isn't. It's a, it's a whole new market that's being developed. How do you parse the Series A gap that has, uh, you know, come about in the market? There's a lot of early stage, uh, you know, pre-Series A investment. And, and in fact, there's a tremendous um, segmentation that has started to take place in the pre-series A space right now, there's, you know, there's the eternal friends and family round, but then there is now funds that are focused on pre-series A, uh, pre-seed, seed, post-seed, pre-series A. So there are, you know, micro VCs that are picking certain areas of the, you know, pre-series A phase. But then the number of companies that actually get funded in Series A remains relatively constant in the 1,200 to 1,500 range, whereas in the pre-Series A, there are 70,000 investments, uh, 50,000 investments a year. How do, you, uh, how do you analyze that? Oh, I, I completely agree with that, and that's exactly where we saw that there was a gap in the market for traditional mm -hmm. um, Series A investors. Um, investors that would um, roll up their sleeves and help um, uh, founders and CEOs with getting their initial customers and partners with um, being kind of a mini McKinsey of sorts and helping them work through the different product strategies and helping them focus on, on different markets. Uh, being a recruiter and helping them bring in their, their VP level talent um, and being kind of a mini investment bank to help them think about their fundraising um, strategy and M&A and, and IPO strategy. So at Sorensen Ventures, 
uh, we're positioned as a traditional um, Series A investor that you used to see, you know, from 10 or 15 years ago. So we're perfectly happy if the round size is anywhere between 2 million and, and 10 million. We can either do it ourselves or we can syndicate it with another firm. But what, what we've seen in the market is that there's a lot of other good VC firms that have raised larger and larger funds. And what they like to invest in are companies that actually have, you know, 10 plus real paying global 2000 customers. That's where, that's where we can help. So you don't necessarily need that many, that much validation. You're saying that you're willing to do deals that have a lot less valuation, uh, validation as a Series A deal. Uh, completely. You know, two of the three deals um, that we're in process with at Sorensen Ventures uh, are mm -hmm. pre-revenue, completely pre-revenue. Okay. And when you are doing a pre-revenue deal, what do you look for in terms of customer validation? Um, well, one of the things that, that Sorensen Ventures has um, from our past, you know, having worked at both um, Battery Ventures and Lightspeed as well as, as Intel Capital, is we have really good connections into global um, 10,000 chief information officers and chief security officers. So when we start to do diligence on, on deals, we talk to the potential um, alpha customers that the, that the startup has but we also make introductions to our friends in different firms to validate the, the problem and the gap in the market. So that is the best way that we can do due diligence. It's also the best way for us to add value to the companies that we are um, potentially investing in. Mm -hmm. So for example, during, during the due diligence process for one of our security companies, what we did is we introduced them to um, one of the chief security officers of a global 2000 company. It turns out that um, that company is going to be a beta customer for the startup. And that all happened during our due diligence process. Okay. And how do you parse unicorn mania? As an early stage investor, you could get buried on the later stage liquidation preferences if a company gets in this mode. How do you protect yourself? And how, how do you in general, what is your perspective about the um, somewhat crazy behavior that has come about in the market recently? Yeah, I mean, it's a really, really good question because um, what I've seen in the past is there's a lot of early stage funds that really don't um, do a great job protecting um, their positions. They don't reserve enough for their funds. So at Sorensen Ventures, we reserve um, half the fund for follow-on investments. Um, and what that allows us to do is that in follow-on rounds for well-performing companies, we can um, continue to invest and in, in load up in the companies. So your strategy with Unicorn Mania is to just participate in it? Yeah, we would, we would participate in rounds if we thought that in those later rounds, you also could get a, a 10X plus return on those rounds. Yeah, so having both venture and growth capital within the funds allows you to do that. Um, well, the way that we would do it is Sorensen Ventures has its own um, reserve set up for each of its investments, and then mm -hmm. Sorensen Capital as a late-stage firm would look independently um, at the company, and if they decided okay. to invest, then they can invest independently. Okay. Very good. So I know you have to catch a plane, um, so we, uh, we're going to move to the 
mentoring section of the uh, session today, and I know you want to stay on the call at least if you can. So thank you very yeah. much for your comments so far, and uh, let's see how much of the rest of the program you can participate in from your uh, situation. Sounds great. Thanks so much.